Belly on up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. My name is Craig Toth, your host of Minor League News and Brews, talking about everything around the Pirates minor league system and giving you some beer reviews at the end of the show. Earlier this week on Bucks in the Basement, myself and Chris Lanuti, my co-host, kind of talked a lot about the Pirates' uh, pitching development, the pitching situation, and this seems to be a pretty like hot-button topic uh, when it comes to what you see going around the Twitter sphere, the X sphere, I guess it would be at this point in time, and Facebook. There's videos out there. Just watched one earlier today concerning uh, Jamison Tyon talking about the Pirates pitching development. There was an article released by J.J. Cooper from Baseball America, a guy that I love reading his stuff. I respect his work, and he did put a lot of effort into everything that was discussed in that article. People talking about you know, how bad the Pirates pitching development is. And that's the key point for me is is that they're focusing on that, that. I'm focusing a lot on that word right there when people say is. Like the Pirates pitching development is this. Uh, the one thing about that article to me was that it is all of the pitchers that have been drafted since 2012. So that would be the drafts of 2012. Uh, through uh, 2023, including, you know, one Paul Skeens, who Chris and I went in depth about our feelings concerning him when he would be called up. Uh, go back and listen to that episode. I mean, management team has, you know, kind of towed the line with that is that they will show, he will show them when he is ready to be called up. Uh, most people are expecting him, you know, to start out in double A where he ended the year after, you know, pitching just under seven innings and maybe getting that quick bump up to triple A. But going back to the article that was written, I mean, it's hard to say that the Pirates pitching development is, you know, poor. The drafting is poor. To me, that's because I mean a lot of those players that you know you're referencing are players that you know number one you know, drafted and developed under a previous regime, uh, the Neil Huntington era, and yeah, they did have some players that you know, made it to the major leagues and did perform. But as, you know, I've seen pointed out several different times, I mean, the cutoff is 2012. I believe JJ said that that was due to the fact that that's when kind of some of, you know, the rule changes were made um, concerning the draft, the draft slots and different stuff. In 2011, uh, the Pirates drafted uh, Garrett Cole. 
which I mean, whatever you want to think about that. I mean, Garrett was, you know, a fairly good pitcher for, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates may not have, you know, utilized him to his, his best potential. I mean, that can't be mistaken. I mean, he really broke out once he went to Houston, especially, you know, now in New York winning a Cy Young, you know, definitely wasn't that type of pitcher when he was with the Pirates may have been asked, you know, to pitch not to his strengths, but to pitch to, you know, that, that round hole square peg mentality that, you know, has been talked about a lot, you know, since the, the old pitching coach, Ray Searage, Uncle Ray is out, uh, Clint Hurdle being out. And also, you know, the, the head of, you know, the minor league development, you know, being out in Larry Broadway with Kyle Stark, you know, not being there anymore uh, with John Baker, you know, now in, in the, the old position. I know it's not called, you know, the, the minor league GM anymore. It's like pitching, you know, director of, of pitching and coaching. And it's really like a, a developmental role, John Baker and an old mental health skills coach. But I mean, in that show, I kind of mentioned uh, that, you know, I have seen the development, especially on the pitching side, kind of grow in leaps and bounds, especially uh, uh, with the use uh, of technology, you know, in the minor leagues, uh, in the major leagues. You know, there were no, you know, Rapsodo machines when I was down at, at spring training, you know, Pot, prior to Ben Charrington coming in, the first time I saw one of those was I was there in 2020 uh, when you know the world kind of shut down. But I did get to spend a morning at Pirate City. Got to go you know, take in a a Pirate spring training game that year. But the first thing that I noticed was you know the machines that they were using the technology that they were using that was something i had never seen you know at pirate city in the pirates minor leagues you know any time before so that's where like this study that that kind of came out it's incomplete in my eyes and yes i mean the pirates do have a history even going back to before 2012 of, of not really having the ability to you know, develop pitching long term. So, I mean, for me, I look at it as, you know, some of the guys that were mentioned on there uh, in that thing. The first one is, is no longer with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and that's, you know, Shane Baz, who was part of the Chris Archer trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. And, and talking about like his injuries and maybe not reaching that potential. Well, I mean, he was really only in the Pirates development for, you know, a season and not even a, a full season, you know, prior to being traded. So for me, it, it's very, you know, strange to, to even lump him into, you know, the Pirates numbers. But, you know, if you're going to stick to what the study was, then you kind of have to, to keep it in there. Um, another one is is Mitch Keller. And a lot of the stuff and the development we saw with him was you know, prior to 
you know, Ben Sherrington and John Baker you know, coming to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, since then, whether or not it is, you know, the outside stuff that he got from, you know, Tread Athletics, there was, you know, talk of him, you know, speaking with Clay Holmes, you know, former Pirates pitcher, who a lot of people will say, you know, they didn't get everything they could out of him either. But talking with him uh, about, you know, his pitch shape and the types of pitches that he was throwing, working on that stuff on his own in the bullpen, and it can't really be attributed to uh, this regime. But, I mean, he did and he has taken those steps forward, I mean, for better or worse, uh, under this regime. And the other one, his story is yet to be told yet, uh, and that's in Quinn Priester. I mean, Quinn Priester got a, a cup of coffee last year, and it was a, you know, it was a larger cup of coffee. It might have been a, a large travel mug, is a where I thought he was going to get, you know, that just that small styrofoam, you know, cup of coffee last year. But due to um, injuries, due to regression uh, by some players, and I know when I say regression, people are going to jump right on that and say, see. See, they still are bad, you know, at developing pitchers. And I would say to that that, you know, I don't think the story's written on Rowanzi Contreras just yet. Still a very young man. Luis Ortiz, also still very young. And going back to Mitch Keller, if, if he's taught me anything, is that, you know, he took longer to develop and he's now turned into the type of pitcher that Pirates fans are clamoring to get uh, an extension signed for when, when the, and talking about, you know, when the arbitration stuff is being discussed, people saying, Oh God, are we going to have another, you know, Brian Reynolds situation where that, you know, they're, you know, half a million to a million dollars apart in, in, in the, you know, the numbers that they're trading back and forth. And is it going to be an ugly situation? Obviously that was resolved. Something that Chris and I, I will talk about more in depth, you know, next week. But going back to, to Quinn Priester, Priester is a guy that, you know, I didn't know if he was completely ready to be promoted to the big league club, but he was. And in some ways that could be good because now he can see, you know, what types of pitches he throws, uh, the shapes of his pitches, the pitch sequencing, you know, isn't maybe going to play in the major leagues. So he was able to, you know, work through some of that stuff, but it's also not a player that, like I said, in my eyes was really ready, not really fully developed. The story isn't completely written on him yet. And he, you know, is a player who Ben Sherrington, John Baker and company have had their hands on you know, for the majority of his minor league career, still, you know, a very young player. And I think that's like the biggest thing right here is that we won't really know exactly how this pitching development department uh, headed by Oscar Marine, you know, what it really looks like at this point in time, just because, I mean, you haven't seen it play out to the nth degree at this point in time. Uh, players that, you know, Ben Sherrington has drafted. I mean, we've really only got to see, you know, Carmen Majinski for, for a little bit. Uh, Kyle Nicholas transitioned uh, over to a, a relief role, just like, you know, 
just like Carmen Majinski had, which was kind of a shock to me. I'm just going to do a little bit of a sidebar or an aside at, at this point in time is just when they announced that at, at the beginning of this past season, that he was just going to kind of start out as, you know, a, a reliever, that was a little bit of a shock to me. I mean, you could get him to the major leagues and he could have an impact on the big league club a little bit earlier. Um, but he was a guy that, you know, had the pedigree uh, coming out of college, drafted uh, as, you know, a first round pick, even though it was a comp pick, but was seen, you know, by experts within the industry as having, you know, that first round pedigree. He was he was ranked uh, by some places, you know, a lot higher than where, where he was drafted or at least a little bit higher uh, than where he was drafted. But we haven't really seen you know, a lot of the players that, you know, Ben Sherrington has drafted, if you're going off of, you know, what this study was built around, I mean, we're not seeing uh, a lot of those players. I mean, some of them are reaching towards, you know, the, the upper minors at this point in time. And yes, yeah, some of it does go to the development. So if you want to give him, you know, Quinn Priester, then that's fine as well. But I mean, I just can't see this being a, you know, the Pirates pitching development department is bad. I could say that it could still be bad and that it has been bad in the past, but I really can't get to the point where I'm saying that it is bad. I mean, hopefully I'm not proven to be wrong in this. I, but I mean, I'm not even also taking an extremely hard stance that it's good either. But I mean, let's let this play out for, you know, a couple more years, get some of these other guys up in the majors, you know, like a, like a Jared Jones, uh, an Anthony Solomito, uh, more guys that you want to see, like a Bubba Chandler, see what, you know, happens with Thomas Harrington. Um, and his development this season. I just can't say it is. I just can say that it could be. Didn't plan on going on as long of a tangent as I did, you know, concerning that that article concerning the pitching development. But it's just something that's been on my mind since I've read that, since I've listened to some podcasts, you know, read some articles, seen people react on X and Facebook, you know, concerning you know some of the stuff that's been going on. Really, when I sat down today, I, I wanted to, and I've been thinking about uh, the state of the Pirates minor league system and how it's changed over you know the past few years, even going back in my eyes to like 2019, you know, 2020. And yes, a lot of this still has to do uh, with pitching and, and the stuff that I'll be talking about here. You know, deals a lot with the Pirates pitching. So maybe it ties in a little bit better to, you know, the first segment than I thought. But like looking through with all of these, you know, there's different player rankings coming out. Um, obviously, you know, some of the, the major ones 
uh, like MLB Pipeline, uh, fan graphs have not made their updates yet. I do know, you know Baseball America, I, I listened to uh, the top 10 podcast uh, that they had done. A, a lot of decent, good information there. I did, I get frustrated when I listen to those types of things sometimes. A little bit of just not misinformation, but, you know, maybe just not having the knowledge. Uh, still talking about the Johan Oviedo trade, uh, talking about, you know, Henry Davis and being a primary right fielder. Uh, and it did seem like that that top 10 or the top 30 was kind of thrown on, I believe it was Josh Norris a, a little bit. I kind of seemed like that maybe he wasn't going to be the one. And he was saying, I think it was his first time you know, digging into the, the Pirates minor league system as much as he did. Um, but yeah, just definitely looking at a bunch of this stuff. And I think back to like 2019, 2020, and looking at, you know, who was at the top, you know, of the Pirates, you know, rankings. I mean, obviously you had, you know, Mitch Keller in 2019 was there. And this is going like on the, the MLB pipeline rankings, just because it's the easiest for me to navigate um, year by year. But I mean, you did see um, a lot of hitters. You saw a Cabrian Hayes, a Travis Swaggerty, an O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Cal Mitchell, Cole Tucker, Kevin Kramer. Obviously, some of these guys haven't turned out to be, you know, really anything for the Pittsburgh Pirates and maybe not anything for, you know, the clubs that they went to after that. But I mean, some of the stories haven't, I, I don't know if that's a theme, but some of their stories haven't been completely written yet. But what you see is, you know, that theme of, you know, the hitters being at, you know, the top of the prospect rankings, especially in, you know, the top 10. And then when you move on to, you know, 2020, you still have Hayes there. You still have Cruz there. Uh, Leover Peguero is acquired and, and placed into that. Travis Swaggerty, uh, Sammy Siani, Jared Oliva. You see, you know, just it seems to be, you know, dominated by the hitters, which, I mean, it, it's kind of been a theme for a while, especially you know, once you draft Nick Gonzalez, he he goes into there. Um, you see uh, Ono Cruz sticking around, Key Brian Hayes being there. Um, you do see a little bit more of, of pitchers moving into that uh, with a Priester. Uh, Tanosh Thomas, I mean, there's a, a name, you know, for the ages right there because obviously thought he was going to turn out for more than he has at this point in time. Uh, Brennan Malone, if he could ever stay healthy, you know, Cody Bolton, no longer with the team, but I mean, you do still see a decent amount of hitters uh, in that little section there. Uh, same thing happens in, in 2022. Nick Gonzalez is at the top. Henry Davis, O'Neill Cruz, Leover Peguero, uh, Matt Frazier, uh, who burst onto the scene at that point in time has, you know, regressed since then, but you're seeing, you know, a, a lot of the hitters still there. You know, uh, pitching-wise, uh, you have Quinn Priester, Rowanzi Contreras, Anthony Solomito, uh, Bubba Chandler. You see Mike Burroughs moving up towards there. And I, I don't even think I mentioned Endy um, in there. As you see, once again, you know, a lot of those hitters. And 
that kind of has flipped on its side or its end or it's you know gone the complete 180 at this point in time where basically if you're looking at this right now and I know that there are going to be some updates for this but for the most part I mean you have you know a couple of hitters I did look over at, at fan graphs for this and it was kind of along the same lines I mean obviously you know, Tamar Johnson is at the top of that list uh, for MLB Pipeline, it's it's Mitch Jeb. For Fangraphs, I believe it was Jordani De Los Santos. But for the most part, I mean, you have Paul Skeens, Jared Jones, Anthony Solomito, Bubba Chandler, Thomas Harrington, Mike Burrows, Hunter Barco, Jackson Wolf. And if you go back even further, even if you go the whole way down 11, 12, 13, and 14, you have Michael Kennedy. Braxton Ashcraft, Xander Muth, Yongshuk Shim, you have like this mountain of of pitching. And I think that maybe I, I did go on that tangent for a reason because, I mean, this is kind of going to be where the rubber meets the road, where we can see, you know, is the Pirates pitching development? Is that still you know, a bad thing is, is it not, you know, something that, you know, we can like hang our hat on is, is, is it poor is the, the drafting and development poor because I mean, we've seen a, a lot of these, these hitters graduate. And like I said, it's kind of like been an ebb and flow and it's gone back before, but it always seems like, you know, the hitters were ahead of the pitchers. And as, as Chris and I talked about, on Wednesday, like pitching development can take more time. And it, it usually does. I mean, it's not too often that you have a guy that, you know, can fly through the system and shows up. And especially, you know, when you're drafting guys young, like Jared Jones, Solomito, Bubba Chandler, just a lot of really, really, you know, kind of young guys that high school arms, guys that didn't have a lot of stuff under their belt. And I mean, it's actually, and I think I've said this on previous episodes, it's, it's shocking to me, you know, how quickly you know, Jared Jones moved throughout the system. I mean, I expected him to maybe get, you know, when I talked about Quinn Priester, like that tiny cup of coffee in AAA this past season, no, he was, he was bumped up really quick. And, and even, you know, as much, you know, run as, as Anthony Solomito got, uh, in Altoona, the, the youngest player in the Eastern League, I mean, youngest pitcher in the Eastern League, I mean, that is just absolutely insane seeing how much he moved up. And, you know, Bubba Chandler uh, switching over to just being a, a full-time pitcher and seeing him, you know, not start in Bradenton again, but to go up to Greensboro, a place where if you listen to that Baseball America podcast, it's, it's a place that... You know, hitters, their egos can get overinflated, and pitchers, I mean, their egos could get, you know, underinflated. I mean, they could get deflated uh, pretty badly just because of how hitter friendly not only, you know, the Greensboro Grasshoppers uh, ballpark is, but also, you know, a lot of the ballparks around the Sally. Go back and listen to an episode um, that I did a while ago and have to look of when it was where I talked about. You know all of the the dimensions, you know, within the Sally League, and that was kind of, 
you know, inspired by going to a game in Erie and seeing them with their gray monster that these guys are drilling these balls, you know, halfway up it. And you'd think they'd be going forever, but no, it's like a single or a double. So, I mean, minor league ballparks just have very weird dimensions, but trying to get back on track, maybe just a little bit is that, I mean, it, we're really going to see, you know, within this year, you know, going into 2025 and 2026, uh, where this this pitching development goes, we're really going to look to see, you know, are these guys going to be able to come up and have an impact? Uh, especially now when I'm looking at it, I mean, a lot of the Pirates' success is going to depend on, you know, these, this young crop of players. And we've seen the, you know, the hitters now, they have, you know, been promoted and they are, you know, coming off of these lists. I did see somewhere that the Quinn Priester could stick around on some lists, but some people aren't going to keep him on there. I uh, just, because I think once he gets like one more out or something, he's, he's no longer considered a, a prospect. So that's, you know, something to just like think about a little bit, but I mean, don't really have a lot of hitters, you know, in the upper minors. If you look at, you know, the pirates outfield um, in Indianapolis, you know, over the past few years, I mean, Cal Mitchell is gone. Travis Swaggerty is gone uh, for, for what it's worth. I mean, he definitely wasn't a prospect, but he was a minor leaguer and did pretty well last year. Miguel Anjouar is gone. Um, Kanan Smith and Jigba is, is really the only guy that's still around there. I mean, obviously there's going to be guys that are promoted from Altoona, but I mean, the hitting has become a little bit uh, thin in the upper, you know, in the upper minors last year, uh, when people are saying, you know, we got to get Henry up here, he's hitting the cover off the ball. We got to get you know, Nick Gonzalez up here. We got to get Andy up here. We got to get Leova Pagaro up here. Uh, there was just a lot of players that could be kind of pushing their way up. And now, at least on the hitting side, you know, those guys are there. So, I mean, this, when when I talked about Ben Sherrington I, I, a long time ago, I, I talked about people talk about the window opening. And I said, I think that Ben is more about the waves. Well, the waves kind of seem to be coming in at different times. The hitting wave, you know, came in and we still don't know, you know, what exactly it's going to look like. But then now the the pitching wave is kind of here. Hopefully there's, you know, other waves behind there with the pitching and with the hitting. I do know, you know, there are some some pretty good prospects hitting wise and pitching wise down in, you know, the lower minors. But we're going to see, you know, how they perform this year if they move themselves you know, up on to prospect lists, not that that's the, you know, be all to end all, but to be actually just, you know, closer to the majors to move from Bradenton to Greensboro to Altoona up to Indianapolis. But right now, I mean, it is the pitching, it's pitching, it's pitching. And I kind of think like that is, you know, the state of the Pirates minor leagues right now. And it's, it's something that, is really going to determine, you know, how successful this rebuild has been, is, will be. Um, obviously, you know, some of that is going to be from the hitters that are already here. 
But, I mean, as we saw last year with the Arizona Diamondbacks, it was really that top three within their pitching staff that, that kind of carried them you know, through the playoffs once they, you know, quote-unquote snuck in. So, I mean, I'm excited for this. I can't wait for baseball to get started. I Only, you know, a little bit away from pitchers and catchers reporting here exactly – uh, two months away from when I will be down in Pirate City. I, I just really need real baseball at this point in time. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. Let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. It is dry January. I did see one of the breweries in in Pittsburgh. I think it was Coven uh, Brewing, a really cool little place. I have tried some of their beers. Uh, they said it is dry January instead of dry January because they don't want everybody to do dry January because they are in the business of brewing and selling brews. I mean, I know I did see that Allegheny City Brewing uh, place. I think I just reviewed a beer. Uh, last show did a uh, couple live shows uh, for the home opener last year from there I did see um, that they did have a, a non-alcoholic beer um, look like a, a tea type of beer or something but um, for the most part I mean I do know some people that are doing dry January and I myself have you know done some dry spells uh, here and there and I have gotten into the non-alcoholic beer scene. So for you guys today, just a little bit of something special. Um, if this is your thing, if it's not your thing, it's not so special. But I want to review uh, just a, a couple of uh, non-alcoholic beers that I've tried. And the three that I am going to review today are actually you know, the three favorites um, that I have, you know, had outside of the brewery setting. I actually have them in my fridge at most points in time. Uh, and it is from Partake Brewing. Uh, Partake Brewing, uh, these ones, there was two of them. It was Athletic Brewing and Partake Brewing. I like the Partake Brewing ones a little bit better. Um, I know for people that are counting calories that the partake ones for the most part have, you know, the lower calorie intake. Uh, but also for me, they kind of had the better taste. Um, the three that I had tried from partake brewing, I tried their blonde ale. I tried the pale ale and I also tried, um, the hazy IPA. Um, each of these to me, um, obviously, as a hazy person, the hazy, you know, was my favorite. If we're going to go on the weighted based on batting average, just because there's really not a lot to compare to um, these ones. I mean, the weight weighted based on batting average is going to be the same as the regular, you know, batting average, the based on batting average um, for the hazy IPA. Give that one a, uh, a 400. For the pale, give that one a 375. And for the blonde ale, I would give that one a 350. Um, and these can, you know, if you're doing a dry January, you can drink these. Um, sometimes if you have a long day where you're, you know, maybe having like a cornhole tournament or you're having a picnic at your house, 
you know, maybe toss one of these uh, in there as you're, you know, quote unquote, partaking in, in the party. Uh, but uh, thinking ahead, uh, right now, when this comes to your ears on 113, it'll be a couple days um, away from the international uh, signing period when that opens on January 15th. Go back and listen to the episode I did last week. Uh, follow along to people on Twitter as to who you know they could sign. Uh, two of my favorite people to follow this on this this time of year, uh, Carlos Colazzo and um, John Drecker. So go ahead and give them a follow. I'm also looking towards next week, going to have a guest on trying to get that ironed out as to exactly when that's going to take place and whether or not that's going to be on video or not. And I got to really sit down here in the upcoming weeks and kind of iron out uh, the schedule, not only for Bucks in the Basement, but also minor league news and brews as we lead into spring training and beyond.